Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you are here. Again, welcoming those that are joining us online, whether they're listening online or watching online. And again, I said it last week, it's so interesting that we can look and see where people are watching from. It's literally, you know, I know it's hard to say because you look around, there's so many empty seats here. It's still kind of summer uh, and things are still kind of weird after COVID. But again, people still join us from, you know, Nashville, Lebanon, but they also join us from all places across the country. And it's so encouraging and it's such an honor to be able to uh, spread the gospel uh, in the ways that we've been given, whether that's Facebook Live or the audio version off of the Crossroads Lebanon website. Again, so encouraging that people join us. Last week, uh, I talked a lot about freedom. I know some of you weren't here, some of you were. But again, I, I kicked off last week by mentioning freedom. And part of the reason why there was this, you know, encouragement for me to talk about freedom was because that's a word that seems to be thrown around a lot these days. You, you see it, you hear it. Uh, it's, again, you know, week before last, it was September the 11th, and you saw all of these references to freedom and the tragic things that happened, you know, 20 years ago, 20-something years ago, uh, as a result of the planes, you know, that crashed into the, the Twin Towers and in Washington and Pennsylvania. And again, a lot of people posted up uh, images and, and phrases and things about freedom. Freedom isn't free, those kind of things. Again, we, we see those things throughout the year. Again, freedom is a word you see a lot right now because of the very intense very conflicting political climate that we're in. Uh, again, the word freedom is tossed around a lot. But here's the thing. Even though we see that and hear that, freedom is important. But there's also another side to freedom. Freedom is also important because when we think about the word freedom, there are spiritual implications to the word freedom and what has happened in our lives. We've been set free as followers of Jesus Christ from the penalty of sin because Jesus paid the price on the cross, the price that we owed, a debt that we could not pay. And he paid that, and we have been set free. Time out, time out, time out, time out. I, I kind of got to thinking about that whole idea this week, this idea of freedom. And I'm kind of really leaning towards looking at that really in depth over the next week or two, because I've been listening, watching, paying attention to and reading some things that have really kind of inspired me, because I think even though we live in freedom because of what Jesus has done, many of us are bound by the chains of the past. Tell them you're in church, okay? So anyway, you'll call them back after it's over. Meet us at Chipotle. They can buy because they interrupted, okay? So it Anyway, anyway, I think maybe next week, I know it's the beginning of fall break. I mean, you would think it is today. But again, fall break starts with schools out Friday. But again, I really want to dive down into this idea of freedom because I don't think many of us are experiencing the freedom that's truly available to us. Can I get an amen? I mean, we're, we're bound by baggage and things that have happened in the past. And we're living in the past and not experiencing the freedom that's available to us. So I think that's where I'm going to go next week as we kind of exit out of summer today. But I said last weekend, the natural response to freedom, spiritually speaking, is sharing that freedom with other people. I mean, if we're free in Jesus Christ, the natural response to the freedom that you and I are, have experienced because of what Jesus did on the cross, the natural response is for you and I to share that freedom 
with other people, the story of what God has done in our lives with the people that God has placed around us. So I want you to think about the word freedom. Think about it in the context of our country, but also think about it in the context of our spiritual lives. Because when you think about the word freedom in the context of being an American, I think most American citizens, because we live in the land of the free, the home of the brave, we get up every morning and we think, you know what, we have the freedom, we have the right to do whatever we want, specifically with our time. It's my time, I can do whatever I want to do with my time because it's my time. It's my personal time. We think it's simply our time, so you know what? We can do whatever we want to do because it's ours. So most of us get up every morning with the privilege of rolling out of bed and thinking, well, what am I going to do with my time today? You know what a lot of people decided today? I'm going to stay home. I can watch online. I can listen online later. It's a beautiful day. I can do whatever I want. It's my time. And that's what happens most every day. We think, you know, it's my time. I can do whatever I want with my time today. Because we don't want somebody else telling us what we need to do or what they want us to do. And it causes a fear in us where Most of us have walked around with this fear of thinking that if I get committed to something or if I get involved in something, then somebody's going to expect something out of me. Somebody's going to expect me to be there. Somebody is going to expect me to do something. And we'd just rather do what we want to do with our time rather than somebody expecting something from us. So we don't get involved. Let me tell you another reason why people don't get involved. Specifically when it comes to things of faith and the church. We don't get involved with the things of faith and church because we don't remember. We don't remember who we are. We have forgotten who we are as a follower of Jesus Christ. So we don't get involved. And and what we forget is this. We forget that every moment of every second of time, our Heavenly Father is looking down from heaven. And when He looks down in Lebanon, Tennessee, you know what He doesn't see? He doesn't see a bunch of lone rangers. But he sees a bunch of us as followers of Jesus, as Christians. And he looks at us right in this moment, right now from the very balcony of heaven. He is looking down. And he sees us as a part of something bigger. Not a lone ranger, but a part of something bigger. A part of the body. He sees us as a part of the church. Because, see, our Heavenly Father has a plan for our life. He has a will for our life. 
And that will and that plan is actually found when as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, those are interchangeable, okay? That will and that purpose is found when we as a follower of Jesus get involved in the local body, which is the church. And here's the thing I think, for most of those watching online and listening online and most of you in this room, we've just forgotten. Now listen to what I'm about to say. That has been God's idea. It's not new. That's been his idea from the very beginning. So knowing that that's God's idea is that you and I as a follower of Jesus would get involved in the body, something bigger than ourselves, I just got to be really honest with you this morning and tell you this. When I finish today and I reach the end of my talk and you make a decision that, you know what, I don't want to be involved in the church. I don't want to be involved in anything at Crossroads. I just want you to hear me, my lips to your ears. That's not going to stop the church. The church is still going to go on. I just need you to hear that the kingdom of God is not going to stop if you say, you know what, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting involved. It's going to go on. Because this thing called the church will keep going right on without you. But as I say that, I want you to hear me say this. It would be so much better with you. It would be so much better if you were on our team. And whether you realize it or not, you need to be part of what God has called you to be. You need to do what God has equipped you to do. You need to do what God has gifted you to do. And that's what we talked about last week. Because you see, if all of us as Americans, if we were to take advantage of getting up every morning and just doing what we want, then here's the truth. We're the ones who are going to miss out. If we just do what we want, we are the ones who are going to miss out. Because here's the thing. I want you to come to a place and a time in your life where you have the ability to look back. You know, again, you know, again, some of us are getting to that age in life where we're doing a lot of looking back. But here's the thing. I want all of us, I don't care how old you are, I want, all, I, I want to empower you and equip you to get to the place where you can look back at some point in your life and you can say, I did everything I could. I took every opportunity, every advantage of every opportunity I had. And I leveraged everything that God had blessed me with for his kingdom's sake. Not for my kingdom. But I sought God's kingdom first.
So for you to be able to say that, it truly means that you have to look at your life differently. Because you, like me, are not by yourself. You are not the Lone Ranger. We're not someone who goes out and does things by ourselves. But we as followers of Jesus are something, are part of something that is much, much bigger. We're somebody who is on this team. We're actually a part of the body. So this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians is a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, we talk about him a lot because he wrote over half of the New Testament. But we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And what's interesting about this letter is this is the letter that Paul wrote to new Christians, brand new Christians. Even one step further, these were Jewish Christians. And here's the thing. In what we're about to read, Paul gives us insight into what is at stake as it relates not to their lives, but to our lives. Look at what he says. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you want to look, Ephesians chapter 4, here's what it says. Paul says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Paul's letting you know. You are a part of one thing. As a Christian, follower of Jesus, you're not somebody who's just out there doing things on your own. You're a part of one thing. You're part of something that is bigger than just little old you out there doing things by yourself. Because when you made a decision to follow Jesus, when you became a Christian, you became of something that is so much bigger. And there's a whole lot of unity being involved as a part of this one thing that Paul's talking about. Because you are connected to every other person in this room who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on. Look at what he says. He says, however... He has given each one of us, we talked about this last week, He has given each one of us, of us a special gift. He's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And again, this is huge. I want you to pay special attention to what Paul is saying. He's saying that through Jesus Christ, God has given you a gift. Something that you do really, really good. God has given you a gift, something you do really well in your life. All of us have a gift. You can't do everything, but you do have a gift. I mean, think about it. Look at your family. Look at your coworkers. And you'll see people around you, listen, who aren't good at everything, but maybe they're good at one thing. That's because all men aren't created equal. We are good at different things. 
Some people are great leaders. Some people are great communicators. And can I just say this? Some women are great cooks. My mother didn't need a recipe. I mean, you know, in her later years, I mean, we, we kind of got, we, we was making sure we was checking the refrigerator and stuff, you know, I mean. But again, when she was on it, I mean, she could flat cook anything. You just, I mean, I was, I stood in amazement what she could take things that were just around and she could make something and you just would, you know, gain 10 pounds just looking at it. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, my poor old body, you know what I'm saying? I go over to her house and eat, man, it was good for everything inside. You know what I'm saying? Because he'd clean me up good because she'd get all them good fresh vegetables, which I didn't eat all the time. Peas from the garden, corn from the garden, rolls, two desserts. Ooh, Lord Jesus, come on now. It was good. It was good. I miss her. Some women are good cooks. Some women are not good cooks, but they're good at organizing. What's really neat about this is that 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit tells Paul, reveals to Paul, that in the church, every person in the church is not the same. Because God, in only the way that God can, He's given us different strengths and different weaknesses. So every person in this room, and those watching online, which we would love to have you in this room, has been given a gift. I don't really know how it happened, but I know it happened. And the fact that I know it happened begs us to ask this question. Look, look at the question behind me. You're going to see it on the screen. The question goes like this. Why did God gift you the way that he has? Some of you would say, well, it's, you know, he gifted me this way so I could make a lot of money. But that's not the case. It might help you make money. But that's not the reason that God has gifted you the way that he has. Because, you see, we need to understand the context. Paul said that we are a part of one. But even though we're part of one, within that oneness is individuality. And the reason that God has gifted you the way that he has is so that you can bring those gifts and work together. And as we bring our gifts and we work together, we will do something together that we could not do individually by ourselves. Now, in the next few verses, if we were to read those next few verses, Paul starts talking to these Jewish Christians about what it says in Psalms, about something that was written in Psalms. So we're going to skip those verses, and we're going to go down to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, those were the people with Jesus. The prophets, the evangelists. You know someone in your life who's really good at telling others about Jesus, and the pastors, and the teachers. And then we reach the point where Paul tells us why. 
He says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And here's the thing that I think is so important for all of us to understand. Our Heavenly Father has a purpose in this world. And His purpose is going to be accomplished. If it's going to be accomplished, then those of us in this room watching, listening, who call on the name of Jesus Christ, what that means is we have got to bring our gifts and our talents and to put them in practice strategically, in tandem. We have to do that working together, working with each other. It's not something you can do alone. It's something we do together. And when we do that, Honestly, it's amazing. It's pretty unbelievable what God is able to do through us when we bring our gifts and talents and we do things together. Now, just a minute ago, we read some of the gifts that God has gifted people to be able to do. And God gave us those gifts to equip God's people to do his work, and to build up the church. We're to come together to use our gifts, this is what I'm saying, to help people grow. And not only are those people going to grow, but when you and I bring our gifts and talents together, we grow. And that's kind of what I'm doing today. I'm using my gift of teaching to motivate you, to encourage you, to don't, not to sit on the sidelines, but to get into the game and help me make this church an irresistible place where people will want to come and worship on Sunday morning or at any event that we have. Because honestly, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not an excuse maker. But COVID has decimated the church in the big picture. We got, li we got lazy, we got tired, and we just don't do anything anymore. And we want to get back on track and exceed where we were. And if that's going to be accomplished, then I'm going to have to use my gift. You're going to have to use your gift. Because when we use our gifts to serve the church, what we start doing is we start reflecting what Jesus Christ did on his own. Let, let, me, let me read the rest of the scripture and then we'll talk about it. Paul says, this will continue until, this will, this will continue 
until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So what does he mean? Essentially what Paul is doing is he's referring back to something that they, the people he was writing the letter to, and many of us already know. Paul was kind of referring to the fact that when Jesus was on this earth, he was actually only at one place at a time. I mean, think about it. Jesus was the eyes, hands, and feet of God. Because the fullness of God was in Jesus. Jesus was God in a skin suit. He was God in a body. And then he was crucified, and after he rose from the dead... He told his followers that he was leaving. And his followers were heartbroken. But he said, guys, hey, it's going to be okay. Things are going to get better. Because the spirit that resides in me, now this is Jesus talking to his followers, the spirit that resides in me, that same spirit is going to come and reside in you corporately. In other words, what Jesus is saying, none of you is going to be just like me. But when you come together corporately, because my gifts have been handed out to different ones, but when you come together and you use the gifts that have been handed out, that's going to be the closest that anybody can come to experiencing my presence. The presence of Jesus Christ. It's when you and I come together and we bring our gifts and talents and we use those together corporately. That is the closest that people will come to experiencing the very presence of Jesus right in front of them. So what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that the best thing that you and I can give Lebanon, the best thing that you and I can give Wilson County, is not our individual gifts. But the best thing that we can do for Lebanon and Wilson County is to use our gifts together as the church, as crossroads. Because listen, the sum of the whole is much greater than the sum of the parts. Do you remember the promise that Jesus made? He said when two or three are together, there I am in the midst. There I am in the midst of them. When we come together and use our gifts and talents, there is a sense of the presence of Jesus Christ that is found in a unique way that will never be found individually. I want you to think back to what we said just a minute ago. We talked about the gifts that, you know, apostle, pastor, teacher, One of those gifts was the gift of evangelist. 
And an evangelist, in my own words, is somebody that's really good about sharing Jesus with other people. And here's what's interesting about that gift. It's listed. We just read it. But what's interesting about the gift of evangelism is there's not much that's said about it in the New Testament. See, the focus that we see in the New Testament is people coming together and using their gifts. In other words, we, we, we create an environment so that when those people who are unbelievers maybe are invited or they just happen here or they see a sign or they hear something about Crossroads and they know it doesn't look like a church, a lot of people are scared of something that looks like a church. They've, they've had a bad experience. And they say, well, that can't be too bad. It just looks like an old building. Little do they know, right? And they wander in here. It's our job to create an environment where even people who are skeptical about God and about, the faith, about faith and about Jesus, who have all kinds of questions, it's our, God, it's our goal to come together and to create an environment where people get here and they experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he said... Where two or three gathered, there I will be in the midst. And, and, and they, they, they experience the Holy Spirit in a way that's kind of tangible. And they say, wow, I've never had anything like that happen to me before. There's just something there. The words of the song, something the, the, the speaker said, it, it, just, it, it just intrigued me. And I've got I've to go back because I think there's more. But Paul goes on. Look at what he says. Paul says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. In other words, your spiritual maturity hinges on your ability to plug in and use your gift with other Christians. So you think it's all about reading the Bible. You think it's all about spending time alone with God. You want to grow spiritually then Paul is telling us the way for you and I to grow spiritually is for you and I to be connected to the body. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Let me, let me, let me do this right here. Can I just tell you, and I probably have said this to you before, I don't know what to believe or who to believe anymore. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, the news will lie to you like you're just dumb. I don't care whether you're right wing, left wing, or, or, or chicken leg. I don't care where you are. They'll lie to you. I mean, the narrative out there is crazy. But you know the narrative that you don't have to worry about? That's the narrative of Jesus. Stay on that and you will not worry. I don't know who to believe. I, you know, I, don't, I mean, I read something. I see it on Instagram. I see it on Facebook. I see it on threads. I mean, there's just so many places. I don't know who to believe or what to believe. And Paul says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, 
Now look at what he says. Growing. Pay attention to that. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, here it is again. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the biblical model right there for you and me. If you and I are going to grow spiritually, the biblical model is found in Ephesians chapter 4, then if you and I are going to grow spiritually, you know what it tells us? We've got to be connected to the body. Think about it this way. If you're a younger person, and I cut off your hand, put your hand in the hand of the man. But if you're younger and I cut off your hand, and I say, you know what, I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to put it in a box. I cut off your hand and I put it in a box. And I come back to you 10 years later. You know what would happen? The rest of your hand right there would have healed. It wouldn't probably feel good. You'd probably kind of feel weird. You know, you'd feel like your hand was still there, but it would have healed. It would have grown. But if I went to this box 10 years later, and I pulled out the hand or the foot that I put in here, what would have happened? Nothing. That hand would not have grown. Why would that hand not have grown? It would not have grown. It's simple because it's not connected to the body. And it just tells us. Listen, Crossroads, if you're not connected to the body, it will in some way hinder your spiritual growth. If you're not connected to this body or a church body that loves and follows Jesus and believes that he is exactly what he said he is, it will spiritually hinder your growth. Because your maturity individually, it hinges on you serving corporately. That's the very reason why, as a staff person here at Crossroads, this is not all that I do. I serve on a couple of different volunteer teams. One of those on Thursday mornings is cleaning the church with several other different people. I have put myself in charge of the bathrooms, which most of you know that. Ladies, when you sit, it's clean, I am telling you. Because I cleaned it. You don't have to stand. You can sit, okay? Matter of fact, sit, because then if you stand, there's more I have to clean up, okay? So just sit. They wouldn't tell you this at College Hills. I will tell you this, okay? Just sit. I mean, I wipe those things down good, man. I do the same for you. I mean... Our bathrooms are nice. 
I mean, I've walked into some church bathrooms, and they smell like somebody went in there and just went all over the place. And it stinks. And you know what? That's a reflection on the body. So I serve. That's part of what I do. And I know for some of you, you may be visiting. You may never come back. I get it. I understand. But here, we're authentic. We're real. I'm, I'm telling my regular people, are we real? Are we real? We're authentic. I serve on a couple of different teams. That, that's Again, because of COVID, I have to do way more than what I used to have to do. Here's something I need you to understand this morning. Both of us, you just like me, both of us are individually gifted. But what's interesting is that we are commissioned corporately. Individually gifted, but commissioned corporately. And you're thinking, well, what is he talking about? Well, let me show you. What happens right here at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning takes lots of gifts to pull this off every weekend. Lots of gifts every weekend so that we can do what you have participated in this morning. And again, I don't get as many as I used to, which is kind of alarming. But I used to get lots, I still get some, I used to get lots of cards, emails, text messages from people who had visited us at Crossroads. And because of the gift that somebody at Crossroads put into use, that gift impacted another person in such a way that they wrote me a card or an email and they said, you know what, I've never felt what I felt there. I felt at home. I didn't feel like people were judging me. I didn't feel like people were looking at me. And they felt welcome. And they loved the church. And they felt like this is a place, you know, where I, I had a bad feeling about churches, but I feel like this is a place where I can start finally learning about God. They loved Wombaland. They loved Upstreet so much. They, they told me, I'm telling you, if, if I have not been told this, they told me that their kids loved it so much that the kids wanted to come back, not necessarily the parents, but the kids wanted to come back, so it brought the parents back. That's something their kids had never done before. Just imagine what it would be like if you visited Crossroads today. Just, just say you came in here and the only thing that was going on was me. Oh, that would be terrible. I mean, there'd be nobody at the door to greet you. There'd be nobody to hand you a worship guide. There'd be nobody to fix your coffee and to hand it to you. There'd be nobody in Wombaland or Upstreet to teach your child about Jesus at their own level. I mean, imagine if it was just me and how terrible that would be. And that's the very reason why I'm telling you that it's so important that every person does their part. Because what we need at Crossroads is people coming together using their gifts. We need every person using their gift coming alongside other people so that we can impact the people that God has called us to. We want to impact every person that God sends our way. And what's interesting is this, when Paul was writing this letter, he knew 
that there was something that was supposed to happen in the lives of those who followed Christ. And again, this may surprise some of you. Paul knew that when we use our gifts, the gifts that God has given us, he knew that when we engaged with other people using our gifts, that not only would it benefit them, Paul knew that it would benefit us. But see, the mistake that I think some of us have made or that we bought into is we think, you know, if I, if I listen to some worship music, if I read my Bible, if I come to church every now and then, if I do those things that, that we think as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we just have bought into the idea that, you know what, if I do those things, then I will grow. But in what we've just read in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul makes it clear that our spiritual growth, our maturity, spiritually speaking, is going to suffer if we don't engage our gifts working alongside other people. And I no doubt know that some of you would say, you know, Randy, there was a time that I did that. I used to do that before the pandemic or some other reason. But for some reason, I stopped. Maybe you moved churches. Maybe you went through something like a baby, a divorce, changed jobs. Maybe somebody said something to you and it offended you. And you just quit. And now instead of using your gifts, you're simply somebody who just comes to church and you listen and you sing a few songs. And you know what? You might take a note or two. You're somebody who's not really part of the one thing that Paul is talking about. Now you're kind of like the Lone Ranger. And you like it. You like it. I get it. I get it. Because you like the freedom. You like the freedom that you have in your life. But even though you like the freedom that you have in your life, there's something inside of you that tells you that there's more. There's just something that's missing. So if there's anything I could say to you this morning, it's this. We need you. Hear me. We need you. But here's the other thing. You need us as well. Because that's the very reason that God has gifted you. That's his purpose for your life, for you, and for the church. And I know what happens. Listen, 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 listen. I know what happens. Every time somebody like me talks about getting involved, there's that little voice that tends to creep up and start whispering to you all the reasons why you don't think you can. 
You think, oh, I can't do that. I'm a new Christian. I really don't know what to do. So can I just tell you something? Maturity isn't isn't the thing that qualifies you. Maturity is not the thing that qualifies you to function in the body. It's giftedness. Giftedness qualifies you. And as a follower of Jesus, listen to what I'm saying. We're all gifted. Other people reach a point in their life where I say, you know what, I don't know what I can do. Well, if that's the case, you know what we're going to ask you? You just tell us that you're willing and we're going to find a place to put you into service. Maybe start out on a guest service team. Some of you, somebody reminded me, Lucy Jackson, who's here today, reminded me after the first service. She said, Randy, you just need to tell them. Sometimes you people don't want to be out in front. They want to do something behind the scenes. You just give your name to Carol on the guest services list and say, look, I'm willing to do, you know, stuff Easter eggs, help with Christmas. I'm willing to help with Easter. I don't want to be out front and seen by people. And we'll just start you somewhere. And then we'll help you find an area in the church that's your sweet spot. Something that's exactly what you were gifted to do. Because the point is that if you're not connected to the body at Crossroads, then you need to start serving somewhere. And then the, the biggest reason I hear people tell me that they can't do anything is because I don't have time. And you know, here's the thing. I want you to hear it from me to you. If you're one of those people that says, Randy, I don't have time What you're really saying is, I don't want to make a commitment. And it goes back to what I said earlier. As an American, we're people who want to do whatever we want. I like my freedom. And I like the fact that my time is my time. And can I just say something to you this morning? If you're one of those people who would say to me, I don't have time, If that's what you're saying, you're going to put yourself in a really weird position with God and your relationship with Him. It's true. If you say, I don't have time, you're going to come to a point where your relationship with God is going to get really weird. Because at some point during your day or your week, you're going to go to Him and you're going to say, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for blessing me and giving me and giving and giving and giving. And now in my life, Heavenly Father, I just want you to keep giving and giving and giving and doing and doing and doing for me. But I don't have time to give back to you because I'm too busy with all the blessings that you've given me. And you know when that happens, and it will happen, When that happens, you know what that tells me? That you have become a consumer of God. Every one of us need to reach a point in time in life where we use the gifts and the talents that God has given us. And we use those working strategically in tandem with others. So today and next Sunday, in the lobby, is our Crossroads Ministry Fair. Just like five areas where you can get involved. 
there's a sheet on each table called a one sheet. You can pick up a sheet, you can go home and you can read it and you can think about it. You, can come, you don't need to pray about it. I'm just telling you, we already discussed that. There's no prayer needed here. You have been gifted. You just need to find a place to use your gift. Amen? You don't need to pray about it. Don't, don't even come at me with that, okay? I will rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You just need to figure out where, and you, can, and you know what you might say, and, and let me tell you, go ahead and get out your paintball gun or whatever you need to and shoot it at me. You might say, well, Randy, I, I've signed up before and nobody ever followed up. You know, that may be true, but you know what? I'm just telling you, look at me. It's 11.05. I'll finish up in just a second, but I'm telling you, if we don't follow up after next week with you, you come stomp a, a mud hole in me right down here in the, in the, in the front. It's on me. It's on me this time. Because people, I'm going to tell you, we can't sit where we've been sitting. I ain't going to do it. We are going to march forward and, and, and bust the, the gates of hell with a water pistol if that's what it takes. But I can't do it by myself. I need you. Gifted, working together with me. Because you're not the Lone Ranger. You're part of the body. And the body needs you so that the body can operate at peak capacity. Don't just walk by. I know how some of you will do today. Oh, look, my phone rang. I, I need to take this call. Don't just walk by. Pick up, sign up. And if you don't, you better pray up because I'm coming out and I'm coming after you. Because again, I ain't going to sit where we've been sitting. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for people who serve, who use their gifts, who use their talents, who do the things that you've called them to do. We ask you, God, to speak, encourage, strengthen the people who haven't stepped out of their comfort zone yet. Encourage them to get off of the sidelines. Get into the game. Be a part of what you're doing here. Because we want to be the people that you've called us to be. Doing the things that you've called us to do. Gifted individually, but commissioned corporately. God, we love you and we thank you. And we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. stand together. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to Him. And oh, how strange and divine I can see. All is mine, yet not I. 
in me yet not I but through Christ 